Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, reading from the New Living Translation. Um, before we get to Numbers 13, because, you know, we live in a day and age where not everybody knows the Bible, not everybody knows, you know, what went on. And so I'm going to give you a little history of what went on before we get to Numbers chapter 13 um, about the children of Israel. The children of Israel were exiled in Egypt for a number of years. And then Moses, uh, well, I want to say convinced Pharaoh um, after a number of plagues uh, hit, hit the land to let the children of Israel go and to um, head toward the promised land. Now, after the children of Israel left Egypt, they started, you know, heading toward the promised land and um, they got to a sea called the Red Sea. Now, the Red Sea is one of the deepest seas um, in the world. Actually, um, because I am a certified scuba diver, um, um, whenever I signed up, they started sending me this magazine and there's a number of really cool things that, you know, you can go dive in the Red Sea, it's really, really deep. Well, the problem is, is here they were, um, there was a Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh changed his mind, decided to send his army after them. And so obviously the children of Israel began to complain, Moses, we took us out here to the Red Sea to die. And all of a sudden God showed up, split the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. You know, that's just like God. Whenever we are facing a situation that we do not know what to do, God will show up and he'll make a way for you to get through each and every time. If you'll trust in him, he will, he will make sure that you get through the impossible situation because you know what? It didn't seem likely that they were going to be able to make it to the other side, but God provided a way and God is still providing, you know, God, he's the same God today as he's always been the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And our God never changes. The thing about it is sometimes we come up to a point where we need a Red Sea moment. Our God is still providing today. Amen. So they went on dry ground. And then after they got through, um, you know, the Red Sea came back and all of the, um, is all the armies of Egypt were, um, Worst away, they, they drown. Now, there has been some theologians that have said it wasn't really that big a deal because wherever they crossed was supposedly a really shallow place. Well, if that is the case, that means that all of e the Egyptian horses and chariots and whatever, they actually drowned in three feet of water. So, you know, that's some... That's a miracle too. I don't believe it's three feet of water. I do believe it was the Red you know, Sea. Anyway, but so they got through the Red Sea um, and here they are, they're griping again. Children of Israel are a bunch of gripers, by the way, if you, if you want to read um, that up. And so they were um, griping again and complaining and said, here we are out here, we're starving. We're hungry, we can't find food. And the Lord says, poof, here's DoorDash for you. For you that don't know, I mean, you know, people think DoorDash is a new thing. No, God invented that way, way, way back. Um, and, you know, read about in the Old Testament. That's when they came out of, of, of their tent every morning and there was bread. Manna from heaven. 
I mean, think about that. You, you, you never even, have, all you, have to, you don't have to go to the grocery store. You just walk out your, your tent. And not only that, if you read that there were quail around, they pick up your quail, you, you, so you have meat, you have bread, you have everything you need. Here you are in a desert, you know. And, and plus, you know what you're going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Manna and quail. And, you know, there is no other choice. So, um, anyway, so they ate, you know, I guess they, they were, and then, you know, the Lord provided a, a pillar of cloud by day, fire by night to, to, to direct them to the promised land. So here they are, um, they're getting to the promised land. And um, now I want you to understand, first of all, the word promised land. All right, God promised them this land. All right, when God promises you something, shouldn't you take what he promises us? Now, I know this story really well because my dad preached it 23 times one summer. 23 times. Might have been more like 40 times. I don't know. And um, my sister and I actually went to my dad. The first time we've ever done it in entire life said, Dad, will you preach on something else? Um, because we did one nighter, so that means every night we're a different location and we heard the same sermon over and over. Well, faith comes by hearing him. So I know this story backwards and forward, you know. And um, he said the reason he preached it so many times because he's writing a book. So I'm not, not sure what it's called, but I'm sure it's out there. And you can read about the children of Israel and the promised land. But here they are. So we're at Numbers chapter 13, the NLT, verse number one, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from um, each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So, so each, each tribe had one spy, they called it, to go out. Um, verse 17 says this, um, Moses gave the... Um, the men, these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the um, Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Um, see what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls? Are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil f- f- fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Um, it happened to be the season for harvesting um, the first ripe grapes. So um, skipping down um, to verse number 23, it says, when they came to the valley of Eskel, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That's Jesus's favorite breakfast, by the way. See that New Testament. All right. The place was called the Valley of Eskel, which means cluster, because the cluster of grapes, the Israelite men um, cut there. Um, Verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. Um, They reported the whole the whole um, community, what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore and is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but see, you got to get your butt out of the way when it comes to doing things for God. 
There is no but. When God says, here's a promise, you go take the promise and you get the butts out of the way. See, the biggest problem is Moses should have not even told them, see what the people look like. He should have said, go tell me what the land looks like. Because when God promises you something, you know what? It doesn't matter what the people are. It doesn't matter who they are, how big they are. It doesn't matter. What matters is that God promised him a land that flowed with milk and honey. And the grapes were so big that one guy couldn't even carry them. I mean, they're not your normal grapes you buy at the grocery store. All right. I mean, I mean, he said that it was so big that it took two people to carry him on a stick. Now, hopefully they didn't cut the grapes down the first day. That means they'll be carrying for 40 days. But anyway, I don't, I don't know how that works. It's like when you go to the theme park, you don't buy things immediately. Then you have to carry them on the rides. Or you don't go play a game that you might actually win. Then you have to carry the big teddy bear, you know, throughout the whole, you know, you know fair or whatever. Speaking of that, the fair's coming up pretty soon here. Good, good chance to waste a lot of money. Anyway, um, here, here it goes. And, and so, um, um, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. See, the New York giants live there, I guess. Um, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So, so see, they were talk, showing all the great stuff, but then they put the butt there and said, all these people are strong. And, you know, remember, this is the promised land. This is the land that God says, I'm going to give you. All right. Um, Anyway, here we go. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Now, the reason you conquer it is because you know what? God already promised it to them. God is with them and God will help them. I mean, they just crossed the Red Sea. They, They just invented DoorDash. I mean, you know, there is a fire that, that's there at nighttime and a cloud by day that, that guides them. I mean, I mean, <laughs> what more do you expect? Anyway, here he goes. Another but here. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored um, will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. How did they know what they thought? Did they ask them? Remember, they were spies. They were, I'm sure they were hiding. I mean, they don't, they don't know what they thought they were grasshoppers or not. And what does it matter? When God promised you something, go and take it. You know, it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, but, you know, so many times we're, we're concerned about what's going on. Go into verse number 14. 
starting with verse number one, it says, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great um, course of protest against Moses of Aaron. If we only had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. I mean, they're like, you know, now you're gonna take us into this land to die. See, the thing about it is, they don't listen to what God said. God said, this is your promised land. And they're like, no, we're going to go die in this land. Well, you're going you're gonna to have whatever you say anyway. So he either promised it to him or he didn't promise it to him. If God promised it to him, he's going to fulfill his promises. It's just that simple. So here they were, they're all complaining to Moses and to Aaron. And, and um, you know, I told you they're a bunch of complainers. Anyway. Skipping down to verse six of Numbers 14, it says, two of the men who explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Zephaniah, um, tore their clothing and they said to the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Drop the mic. I mean, you know, it's a wonderful land. That's all it really matters. Well, the next verse, it says, and if the Lord is pleased with this, which he is, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people um, of, of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Do not, or don't be afraid of them. So what are you saying? You know what? If God be for you, who cares who's against you? It doesn't matter how, how, what it looks like. It doesn't matter what, what it seems like. What it matters is, is that God is with you, taking you to the land, flowing with milk and honey that he promised you. But once again, here's another but here. Verse number 10, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. They were going to kill them just for giving a good report. I mean, how stupid is that? Anyways, then the, the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them. I mean, God's like, look, I've done all these things and they still don't believe, you know, that I'm able to, to help them take the land. I mean, the whole point of leaving Egypt was to get to the promised land. But when they got there, they're like, no, we can't really do this. See, the thing about it is they're trying to think about doing things in their own strength. When it comes to the things of God, you don't do it with your own strength. It's not about your strength. It's not about your ability. It's, it's about putting your trust in him and saying, you know what, God, you know, you're with me every step of the way. You know, I, I'm never alone. You're always there. Anyway, so... You know, then Moses intercedes because God's mad at the people because people are mad at them. Um, then verse 20 says this, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you are requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. 
They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude um, than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Skipping down to verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community? And Complaints about me. Yes, I have heard complaints that the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness. That's what I like the New Living Translation. Um, because you complained against me and every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. You. The only exception will be Caleb, son of Zephaniah, and Joshua, son of Nun. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, you know, it says right here, a year for each day, um, suffering the consequences of your sin. Here, so I've often wondered why it was 40 years. Well, there's your answer. They had to wander for 40 years because they spent 40 days and a year for each day. Now think about this, thinking about waiting for 40 years to actually get a promise that God promised you. Man, if I was 19, because it says 20 and older, I like, God, just kill them all so we can go in now. I mean, 40 years is a long time. There's probably a lot of, there's probably a number of people in, in this room that are younger than 40 years of age. I mean, that's all your life. I mean, you know, 40 years is most of my life. Not quite. I've almost graduated from high, 37 years. I think I've, I've been out of high school. So anyway, well, time flies when you get older. You know, you know when you're in school, it, it's just super slow. Once you graduate from high school, it just flies. You know, you turn around and poof, your kids are 30. Camera's only 29, so I got one more year. Um, but you know, think about that. You had to wait 40 years because some idiots won't actually do what God told them to do. Now, we, we think about how they complain and gripe, you know what? But a lot of us are just the same. God has promised us so much. But we're griping and complaining. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I mean, look at the economy. Look at this. And, and I mean, how, how am I going to make it? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? See, we complain and we complain and we complain and we complain. Well, thank God you have to wait 40 years. But it's time to quit complaining and entering into what God has promised to you. He, he promised you, you know, a... a a awesome life. In fact, I read it all the time. Um, John chapter 
10, verse number 10. Um, Instead of quoting it, I'm going to read it. Um, John 10, 10 says this. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. You know, if you read the New Living Translation, um, Jesus said, my purpose in life is for, for them to have a rich and satisfying life. You know what? That's what his promises are. That's why Jesus came for us to have a rich and satisfying life. If we're not having one, then that's our fault. We're just like the children of Israel. We're not in the promised land because we don't think that we're able to have that because there's some butt that's in the way that's trying to keep us from having what God wants us to have. But you need to forget about you know, the economy, forget about all the circumstances and remember that you serve the God that is more than enough. You serve the God that split the Red Sea. You serve the God that invented DoorDash. You serve the God that, that, that can, you know, that performed all, all the things in, in Egypt. Um, you know, that, that's why Pharaoh let him go. But, you know, a lot of us were like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. See, the problem is, is you're trying to think, how are you going to do something when it's not about you doing something? It's about you letting God do something through you. You know, I actually, um, the other day I, I was preaching um, and um, I actually, it just hit me. I developed now the puppet mentality. What do you mean? Well, so when, when I was a kid, I, I used to have a howdy doody puppet. Anyone remember Howdy Doody? Um, had a Howdy Doody puppet. I don't even know why my parents even bought it for me. But anyway, I probably asked for it. It was in a suitcase, wasn't it? A red suitcase. And you pull them out of the suitcase. Now, what they don't do is teach you how to be a ventriloquist. You know, you're trying to hone your... I never was good at that. But basically, you're, you know, people who are good at it, um, they talk and... and you know, and, and they move the puppet's mouth like the puppet's talking and they're not moving their lips or whatever. Well, see, that's what God does with you. You're the puppet. All right. You're not the one controlling anything. You're just there. You know, no matter what you do for God, I, I, don't, I don't care what kind of miraculous thing you do for God. If it's God doing it, you're just a dummy. You can quote that. You can put that on, well, it used to be Twitter. I guess it's not, I don't, it's called X or whatever. But, you know, you're the dummy. That's, that's a quote from today. If you, if you don't remember anything else, just remember you're a dummy. All right, it's a quote. That's okay though. We can get my book, Don't Be Stupid. And maybe, no, but, but you know, it's not about you. It's, it's about God working through you. And, um, you know, He's promised us so much, but, but what happens is, is that now sometimes we're believing, supposedly believing for it, but we're believing for it, we're griping and complaining. You realize that faith, according to Webster's New World Dictionary or yourdictionary.com, faith is an unquestioning belief without any proof or evidence. All right. Now, when you have faith, you have something, you already have it. You're not going to get it. You already have it by faith. If you already have something, you can't complain about you not having it because you already have it. Do you understand that? By faith, you get all the promises that God has provided for you. 
You don't have to go into any land. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is call upon his name. All you got to do is ask him. I mean, there's many, many things, you know, because, you know, it's just so awesome what Jesus did for us on Calvary. And he gave us the keys. And all we have to do is is ask him. And he's always going to do it. In fact, um, 2 Corinthians 1.20, New King James says this, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory uh, of God through us. So you know what? Everything he has promises is always yes and amen. Yes, you're going to get it. It doesn't matter if there's giants in the land. It doesn't matter when it looks like there is no way. It doesn't matter whenever you're facing a Red Sea moment or whatever it might be. The thing about it is, is the God that is more than enough is with you and is able to help you get through this. The New Living says it this way, for all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. You know what? God's promises are always for us. They're always for us. So you need to get your butt out of the way. Because, you know, I don't know how many times people have said, well, you know what? I would like to, you know, to have this, but, 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 you know, get the butts out of the way. There's no, what do you, the Bible says, actually, um, I, I like to quote it from the, the King James Version. Mark eleven twenty four says the things that you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you have them. Well, what, what do you desire? If I desire something, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to receive it. You know, it's, it's my desire. God wants to give me desires of my heart. You know, a lot of people are having crummy days, crummy years, crummy whatever, because they just don't trust God, just like the children of Israel didn't trust God. You know, if God says it, is he a liar? If God promises you something, he doesn't lie. You know, and he promised many things, but what happens is, is we don't expect them to happen. We, we don't think they can happen. If you don't think they can happen, you're not having faith that they're hap- they've already happened. You, your, your, your brain says, no, that's impossible. I mean, you, do you realize even though the land was already promised to them, they were too busy looking at the people and looking at the obstacles and they weren't looking at the you know, the land that flows with milk and honey, they weren't looking at all the fruits um, in the land, you know, but because, and so what we need to do is forget about what's stopping us and only think about, you know, the outcome. Man, I'm sure it's a whole lot better to live in a land flowing with milk and honey than it is living in a tent, eating bread and quail every day. And now they got to eat it for 40 more years. 40 years is a long time, folks. I, I don't know if you ever figured that out. It's a long time, you know. And, um, but it is interesting, you know, that's why they had to wait 40 years because they're a bunch of idiots. So please don't wait 40 years to get the promises that God promised you. I mean, don't sit there and wait. Because there are many, many Christians that are sitting in the wilderness. What do you mean? Well, God has promised them more than what they have. 
they just either are too lazy or, or they don't expect it or, or they don't know how to ask or, or they don't read the Bible. They don't know that, that, it, that it, it's for them. You know, um, you know, it's clear right here. We, we read John 10, 10 that they want have life and have it more abundantly. Now, more abundantly is your life. It's not in heaven, you know, because yeah, I mean, there's in the good old days, they would sing, talk about heaven and walking on the streets of gold, how it's going to be great here, but it's going to be crummy down, down on the earth. But that's not why God, Jesus came. He said he came that we might have an abundant life here on the earth. And that's what I've been promised. Now, the way we receive that is through our faith, is through believing that, you know, whatever we ask, he'll do it. Now, here's the thing is what, what we normally think in our own mind, well, we'll ask God or we'll ask Jesus to do it, but then, you know, I don't know how he's going to do it. That's stupid. See, that, that was the thing is the children of Israel, they didn't know how they got, God was going to give them that land. But it's not to figure out how he's going to do it for you. What, what it is to figure out, you know, just, I, I like the verse that says, only believe. Only believe. I like to say, can only believe and you drop the mic. It doesn't matter whatever ever else comes. It doesn't matter about Amalekites and Hittites and uh, all the other kites, you know. Doesn't matter how big or how small or, or how, you know, you know, doesn't matter how, how tough the cities are. What matters is, is that who is with you? Who is on the inside? See, you're, you're not fighting this alone. You're, you know, in fact, um, first John four, four new living says this, but you belong to God, my dear children, you have already won a victory over those people. See too bad that they didn't have this in numbers in the old Testament, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You have already won the battle. It doesn't matter when God promised it for you. It's yours. Go ahead and enter into the land that God promised you because that land is flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that you want to live in and quit. Get your butt out of the way and decide that you're going to go and you're going to enter into the promises that God has promised you. And you know what? It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. It doesn't matter what it, what it seems like. See, the thing about it is we start making excuses. Well, the economy is bad, so I can't do this. Well, well, this is bad, so I can't do that. Well, God is good all the time. See, we, we only think about that at church whenever say, someone says God is good and they say all the time. You know, the rest of the time we forget about that God is good all the time. The point is that God is good all the time, 24-7, 365, even when it seems like there is no way. You know what? There are times in life that you're going to have a Red Sea moment. There are times in life that it's going to seem impossible. But my dad's favorite verse, Luke 18, 27, the things that are impossible to man are possible to God. With God, 
all things are possible. See, the thing is, you're not doing this by yourself. You're not entering into the promised land by yourself. You're going to possess what God has already promised to give you. And he says, Jesus said that he came, God sent his son so that we might have a rich and satisfying life, that we might have an abundant life, that we might have a good life here on this earth. And yes, I get it. You know, the devil is trying to stop us from having a good life. That's what he does. That's what the first part of the verse, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the devil tries. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter, like I said, that it seems that you're at a Red Sea moment and there is no way across. You know what? I, if, if, if God has them have you walk across or give you a boat or what, doesn't matter. He'll, he'll make a way. He'll help you. He'll figure it out. Only believe. You know, like I said, we, we, we gripe about and we, we think the children of Israel were a bunch of idiots, but we're a bunch of idiots too. We're just like them. We've been promised so much and, and sometimes we have so little and we're always griping and complaining. I'm not saying we're griping and complaining at God like, like some of them are, but sometimes we, we might get to that point. Or we're just griping and complaining to whoever listens. Sometimes to ourselves. Well, I don't know why this doesn't happen. Well, it does, the why it doesn't work out is because you don't expect it to work out. See, that's the thing. I, I found out that, that, that so many times we would like something to happen, but we don't expect it. You know, if you have faith for something is, has already happened, that's faith. The Bible says you have already been healed. Well, yeah, but you're like, yeah, but my body hurts. Well, what does the Bible say? You can get the t-shirt. The Bible says it. I believe it. And that settles it. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, I've been brought up with that all my life. What does God's word says? And God's word says that he wants to give you an abundant life no matter what else is going on in the whole entire world. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You have been, pro- it's your promised land. It's, it's, a, it's been promised to you. So go ahead and quit griping and complaining and talking about, well, I don't see how you're going to do it, God. I don't know. I don't, you know, you know, it's not for you to try to help God. He doesn't need your help. Remember, you're the dummy. You're the dummy. So, you know, just let God be God. Enter into your promised land. Take what is yours and your life will be a whole lot better. It'll be a whole lot better. Quit griping and complaining to God, to yourself, to your wife, to anybody else. I should say husband too, because some, some of you are ladies and you, you know, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're having a Red Sea moment. Okay, it doesn't matter. You know what? We, we have example after example after example after example where, where people in the Bible had Red Sea type moments and God always provided every single time. 
and he'll provide for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you, Father, that today that we have um, encouraged each and every person that's in this room and each and every person that's watching online. We thank you, Father, that you'll help us not to complain, not to gripe, to get our butts out of the way, but to take everything that you have promised us in your word, Father. Father God, we just thank you that from this day forward that we'll have a different attitude, that, that we won't be looking at what's on around the battle. We won't be looking at the Hittites and Amalekites and all the other kites, but we'll be, we'll put, just put our focus on you and, and what you want to give us. And we thank you, Father, right now for helping each and every one of us, even when we face what we call a Red Sea moment, Father. Help us not get discouraged, but help us to put our trust in you each and every time. Help us to know that you're with us, you're for us, you're not against us, and we will make it. But Father God, we thank you right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If anyone is here today that does not know your son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, we thank you that they'll make them Lord and Savior today. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if anyone's here in this room and said, Craig, I'm not saved. I've never been saved. I, 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 um, but I want to this morning. Lift your hand. We want to pray with you across this auditorium. If you're here in this room and, and you've never been saved and you want to be, because I tell you what, you know, you're not going to be entering any promised land unless you've, you've come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you might be like my grandfather talked about. You, um, maybe you've been in church for a long time, but you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. If that's you, if you need to have what my grandfather called a no-so experience, you don't know whether you're saved or not. Lift your hand. We want to pray with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, Craig, man, I, I've been messed up. I mean, I, I've been messing up really bad, but I just want to come and publicly rededicate my life to God. If that's you, lift your hand. We want to pray with you across this auditorium. I'm looking to see if anybody needs prayer. Hallelujah. There's one hand over here. All right. Thank you. Or maybe also, maybe you're here and you say, Craig, I'm saved, um, but I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 4 said, said, said they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterance. If you've never had that Pentecostal experience, it's for you today. Lift your hand. We want to pray with you on any invitation, whether it be saved, rededication, a no-so experience. There's another hand. Thank you. Or influence the Holy Ghost. Let's all stand up. If you lifted your hand for prayer or didn't lift your hand for prayer and should have, I want you to come down here. We want to pray with you. Just come on down. Don't be embarrassed because there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I tell you what would be the best thing that ever happened to you. If you lifted your hand for prayer, I know we had at least one or two hands. If you'll just come down here, we want to pray with you. And I surrender all and I surrender all and all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all Amen How you doing? God bless you. I tell you what, what you came down here are spiritual gifts. If I say I want to give you these books, how would you get the books? Reach out and take them. They're yours. All right. You know, today is a wonderful day. It's, when I think about gifts, I think about Christmas. You like Christmas? 
You like Christmas? I like Christmas. Christmas, you know, is a time where, where we get gifts. And a lot of times, you know, well, my mom used to always like put my name on it. It would say to Craig from mom and dad. And they sit under the tree for, you know, sometimes 30 days, you know, 20 days, 10 days, whatever. But then Christmas day comes and you open them up and that gift becomes a reality in your life. Well, today's your Christmas day. That gift is going to be a reality in your life. Amen. So I want you to lift one hand toward heaven. I guess you're holding it down. And, and I'm, I'm going to pray with you right here. Then we're going to take you and they're going to pray with you more. Amen. What's your name? Gina. Gina. Father God, we thank you for Gina. We thank you for her life. And we thank you, Father, that this is a great day, Father. We thank you for... for, for uh, we thank you, Father, right now for touching her. We thank you, Father, for saving her. We thank you, Father, that, that today that she'll never, ever be the same after today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. If you guys will just go and go with, um, let's go with Greg real fast. And he's going to make sure you, you got what you came for. Just, just You can go with him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reach your hands out toward Gina as she goes. Father God, we just thank you for Gina. We thank you for her life. And we thank you, Father, that she'll never be the same again. We thank you, Father, for for saving her, for filling her with the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Father, for for, that her life will be new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God's a good God. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're a first-time visitor, we're glad to have you today. If you'll just go with the connection team, they have a, a gift they want to give you really, really fast. Go to the North Lobby with them really fast, um, and it, you know they have a gift for you. Like I said, if you're a first-time visitor, we want to welcome you here to Red Bible Church and like for this to be your home church. Amen. Well, the pastors are headed to the doors to shake hands. Amen. Um, don't forget tonight, 6 p.m. Also, don't forget, um, if you want to come to the races next week, um, next Saturday night, 7 p.m., Creek County Speedway, you can look it up. Um, it's going to be a wonderful time. All right. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight. And faithful.